Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. Good morning. Next week, Arlington Street Church will hold a water communion to celebrate our community returning home from the summer. Thinking of this upcoming ritual, I'm reminded not only of the joy of this passing summer, but also the heartbreak that has been ever present. With an onslaught of bad news rolling in, I know I've had moments where I've felt helpless and insignificant as I've watched the events unfold around the world. Refugee crises in Europe and the Middle East, domestic and international terror attacks constantly flashing across our news feeds, the senseless events in Orlando, police shootings in St. Paul and Baton Rouge and attacks in Dallas. Tensions are high and the effects of hate and fear are bubbling up everywhere. It takes a toll on our emotional well-being to keep up with the rapidly changing headlines and process their associated grief. In this painful cycle, it's healthy to make time for ourselves, to be with those we care about, and to take short breaks from all of it. It was with this kind of break in mind that earlier this summer I drove from my home in Yorktown, Virginia to Richmond to spend an afternoon with Reverend David Hicks McPherson. Reverend Dave is one of the older ministers in our denomination. Originally a Universalist minister, he was a leader in the merger of Unitarianism and Universalism in 1961. The former intern minister at my home congregation mentioned what a great resource he is and how much he loves talking with future ministers and suggested we spend an afternoon together. Now, I kind of assumed that this would be a breezy, lighthearted conversation, swapping stories about church life. I was picturing lemonade on a back porch with my grandpa in the hot Virginia summer. However, if you know Reverend Dave, you'd know that that sort of lazy afternoon is not really his style. Instead, he told me stories about his life in the ministry. We talked about building congregations and his time as a seminarian here in Boston. He told stories about his work as a minister of a predominantly white church during the Civil Rights Movement. He recalled the richness of building a relationship with the black church in his town. Reverend Dave's church needed a partner and a leader as they put into action their outrage over racism and injustice. And this partner church needed allies that had privilege and power to influence change. Their relationship grew strong and Reverend Dave spoke with tears in his eyes about a powerful moment in that relationship when he was invited to come and pray with them as they gathered the day after Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated. 
He told his stories from the trenches of a powerful and justice-seeking ministry. And he reminded me over and over again of what he sees as the ultimate work of Unitarian Universalism. He says that we have the power to transform the world and to build a heaven here on earth. His heaven is not a paradise in the sky, but a vision of this world around us without division, violence, or need. As people of faith, he says, our job is to do the work of justice here and now. When we see hatred, racism, violence, fear, and greed overrunning our communities, we are reminded how desperately we need that change. We then have a calling to do good in this world, which is why it is so frustrating when in the midst of this call to build heaven on earth, our good efforts and our best work and our honest, loving hearts trying to find meaning and make change sometimes fall short. Another colleague spoke to me about this struggle asking, what do we do when we've done the best we could and we know it still isn't good enough? How do we see where the world is and off in the distance where the world needs to be and not despair? How do we sit in that chasm between what is and what is at all acceptable and find hope in tiny tiptoes forward? And how do we even begin to make change when the systems that facilitate change are stained with injustice? These are the hard questions. I think they challenge us because we want to be the ones to move the mountains and fix everything. We want the instant gratification of sharing that article or going to that one protest to be enough to transform the world. Change, real change, is a slow agony for us. We are sprinters tasked with a marathon that we feel decidedly unprepared to run. It is in this slow frustration of making change Though we must remember to step back and see ourselves, even with our limits, as tiny threads in a holy tapestry of goodness in this world, even in our smallness, we can choose to be a big part of the good, and we must. Now, I am comforted that our siblings in faith also affirm this truth. Paul, one of the leaders of the early Christian church, is the attributed author of a letter to the Christian community in Galatia. He writes, If you sow to the Spirit, you will reap eternal life from the Spirit. So let us not grow weary in doing what is right, for we will reap at harvest time if we do not give up. So then, whenever we have an opportunity, let us work for the good of all. Paul doesn't tell them that the work is too hard and isn't done yet, so I guess we should pack up and go home. He tells them that even in a world wracked by violence and hate, choosing the good and serving the world is the only option. This quote from the book of Galatians seems to echo in a quote often attributed to John Wesley, one of the founders of Methodism. He says, do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. 
Wesley's words may seem quite familiar to you. They're often inscribed on plaques or needle-pointed onto pillows. And earlier this summer, they were even featured in Hillary Clinton's presidential nomination acceptance speech at the Democratic National Convention. Watching our political process play out in the party conventions could be added to the list of heartaches, perhaps, from these past few months. But there was one moment of the Democratic National Convention that really struck me and brought me hope. When each of the state's delegates announced their votes, a special honorary delegate was asked to speak for Arizona. Jerry Emmett is the 102-year-old woman who was asked to read aloud the votes cast for Hillary Clinton. Emmett reflected later how exceptional this moment was for her. When she was born in 1914, no women in the United States were allowed to vote in elections. Throughout her lifetime, she's seen the status and, and treatment of women change from that point of complete disenfranchisement to a time when a woman is now the presidential nominee of a major political party in our country. Though in issues of, of representation and fair wages, women still have progress to make, we now as a country recognize that a woman is capable of leading our nation. It makes me hopeful to think about Jerry Emmett's life. She remembers fondly when her mother exercised her right to vote for the first time when Emmett was just six years old. Over her lifetime, whether she personally participated or not, she saw feminism take hold in our country. The jobs and lifestyles available to women became more and more varied. As a middle-aged person, she saw the civil rights movement and the passage of the Voting Rights Act that gave women of color their first real opportunity to exercise their rights to vote. And now in November, provided she stays in good health, she has the option to cast her ballot for a female presidential candidate. A little confession to make. This November is the first presidential election that I'm eligible to vote in. I turned 18 five months after the election in 2012. So for me, I will never have voted in an election where women weren't viewed as legitimate candidates. I'm separated by less than 100 years from a woman who was born into a world where women weren't trusted enough to vote. That's where I'm finding hope, in the question about the space between where we are and where we need to be. Though not filled, that gap has gotten so much smaller over the years and years and tiny steps forward. This is one example of what building the world we dream of, building heaven on earth looks like. We are getting closer and closer to a world where my identity as a woman is not a disadvantage. This is a reminder of how important it is to keep moving forward, even when the small steps don't feel like they're doing enough. I believe it because I'm seeing it, that that change does come. As Unitarian Universalists, we believe what Martin Luther King said, that the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. I promise you it does bend, painfully slowly at times, through unjust systems, at times, in decades or in lifetimes, it does bend. The good news of Unitarian Universalism is not just about a force of love and goodness 
working in the universe and bending the arc for us. I believe in that force of love in the universe, but whether we believe in this kind of power or not, our good news is not that this power might be real and might be moving in our world. Our good news is that this power might be part of us. In our individual and collective action, working slowly in our own lifetimes, and laying the foundation for the work of future lifetimes. We are the inherent goodness that is bending the ark and creating heaven on earth. Now, I'm gonna take a moment to brag on my home congregation for a second, the Unitarian Universalist Fellowship of the Peninsula down in Newport News, Virginia, because I wanna tell you about a moment where they took a, a tiny tiptoe forward in service of justice. After the deaths of Alton Sterling and Philando Castile earlier this summer, the pain of racial injustice became too much for our congregation to bear any longer. They decided to listen to the call of the Black Lives of Unitarian Universalism organizing collective and hold a safe space for people of color to gather and mourn in our sanctuary. They printed flyers and put them on the doorsteps of the apartment complexes behind our building, communities consisting mainly of people of color that for years we've lived close to and have never really reached out and interacted with. And on a Sunday afternoon, they held this space. Only a few people came and there was plenty of backlash in the community and in our own congregation about a white church, or a predominantly white church in the South holding an exclusively black space. Yet for those who came, those white allies who sat outside their sanctuary to welcome and protect the space, and the people of color who bravely trusted our church enough to enter, the moment was transformational. The distance between where we were and the world we wanted to be in a world of inclusion, love, and peace. Well, that distance got a little bit smaller that day. It didn't change the whole world, it didn't end racism or police brutality, but it was a step, a step in the right direction. So here we are. Our world is not the world we dream of yet. We see violence, hate, and fear every day and we also see the progress. Laws change, rights are won, relationships are built, and trust is earned. We see an arc of justice bending and straining toward goodness. There is a force of love and goodness, a spirit of life moving in our world, and there's us with our loving hearts and helping hands. Even when doing the good the world needs feels hopeless because that distance between what we can do today and what needs to be done is so large, we must continue to move forward. We must take the small tiptoeing steps. We must cast our votes and heal our communities. We must talk to one another, pray with one another, love one another. We must volunteer at the food banks and donate blood and remember to recycle and have the hard conversations about discrimination and systemic racism and gender inequality and transphobia. Let us not grow weary in doing what is right.
for we will reap at harvest time if we do not give up. Reverend David McPherson has taught over and over that as Unitarian Universalists, we have the power and the sacred responsibility to transform the world and build a heaven here on earth. In his life, he worked for justice and took as many small steps as he could toward that vision. He's an old man now. He doesn't drive, and it would probably not be safe for him to stand at a protest or march in a rally in the hot Virginia sun. He knows his limits, and he knows that he will probably never see his vision of heaven on earth come true in his lifetime. Time and ability are his limits, and yet with grace and confidence, he's outliving those limits. His small step is teaching the leaders that will come after him. With fiery enthusiasm, he's reminding a new crop of ministers to preach our task as you use to take the world we see in all its beauty and brokenness and turn it into the world we dream of. Beloved friends, we cannot know what the future will hold, and we cannot do everything ourselves. Let us be a community of individuals doing all the good we can, for all the people we can, for as long as ever we can. Let us be the force of good that bends the arc of the universe ever so slowly toward justice, and let us not be satisfied with waiting another hundred years to make meaningful change. Let us work hard to build this world we dream of. Let our legacy be one that overcame our own limits and frustrations in order to take courageous steps forward. We are that people, so brave and so bold. Let us go out in peace. Amen and blessed be. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear from you via email at office at ASCBoston.org or through our Facebook page. If you would like to support the good work of Arlington Street Church, please consider a contribution by checking the mail or through our website, ASCBoston.org.